Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for faith and life. I'm Tony, and today is episode 139 of the podcast, the very last episode for 2021. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We made it. We made it through 2021, and now we're excited to jump into 2022. So I thought it might be fun for us to kind of recap the year. We had an incredible year of guests and wisdom and advice and fun. And man, I just love doing this podcast with all of you. And so I thought, you know, maybe you're new around here. Maybe you can't remember the whole year like myself. I had to go back and look up the information. But I thought it would be really cool to share with you guys some of the episodes that stood out. As a matter of fact, the top five episodes for 2021. Just a little recap. Maybe we could even speculate about why people really valued them. I don't know. Let's just have some fun with it. Me, you, we'll see what our incredible editor Caleb can put together. And uh, I think maybe at the end of this, we'll have a fun episode to end the year on. So let's get to it. Let's start at the bottom and work our way to the top because I love building suspense. The number five episode of 2021 is none other than baseball legend Daryl Strawberry. That's right. The former Mets slugger and Yankee slugger published his new resource this year, Turn Your Season Around. And one of the things that we talk about in our conversation is about how he's now seen as a pastor and a preacher and somebody who's used his platform to build the kingdom of God in such a dynamic way. Now, what I'll tell you is uh, out of all the interviews I did this year, this was the one why I may have been fanboying the hardest, right? I was so nervous about interviewing him. Actually, he called me a little bit before the interview was going to start. And I was like, oh my gosh, Daryl Strawberry has my cell phone. If you listen to the episode, if you go back and listen to it, you can hear me fanboying because I love baseball. I love his story. I love what God has done in his life. So we talk about baseball. We talk about building the kingdom of God. We talk about all that and so much more in our conversation. And if you haven't picked up a copy of his book yet, turn your season around. Be sure to do so. So I have two boys who both love the game and they play the game a lot. And, you know, of course this is we're we're playing baseball now. Uh, I'm, you know, pretty much year round almost, you know, we started winter training for our summer team starts this weekend. As a matter of fact, we're recording this in the beginning of November. Uh, I'm curious um, what your thoughts are on, on what does it take to be great in a game like baseball? And if, if you could tell young players like my two kids, Connor and Caleb, what does it take um, to play baseball at the next level? Whatever the next level is for you, obviously, you know, the, the pros is for, you know, the, the people who are uh, gifted by God in some ways, you know, but um, what, what's it take to get to the next level of a, a baseball program? Well, just be yourself and, and don't try to be like anybody else. I think too many kids, and, and parents, you know, try to make kids be like somebody else. No, God created them to be who they are. And, and we have to learn that. And what I mean by that, that means building self-confidence. Even, even when you can't see it, you got to believe it. Because mm. I, I think that's the important thing for kids to, to, to understand about playing baseball. Even though 
and and believe that you can do it. You know, uh, don't look to nobody else and think, "Wow, wow, this guy has more talent than me." So, so what? The most, some of the most talented guys never make it. You know, some of the guys with the less talent make it because of the, you know, because of the heart, because of the effort, because of the time, because of the work that you put in. When everybody else is sleeping, you need to be working. If that's what you want to play, you want to believe and and how good you could be. Um, when everybody else was sleeping, I was playing. See, it's just like it's just like it's like the enemy. When you sleeping, he's doing push-ups. Mm, that's true. So so that means you got to be on your your game when you wake up. And it's just like the same thing and training yourself to be the best. Sometimes you're going to have to learn how to go out and go to the park and run the bases by yourself. I mean, I used to do that. That was part of, you know, that was part of talking back and getting back with myself saying, okay, I'm going first to third. I'm pretending there's a game. Nobody's in the ballpark. I mean, I'm just going to a, a local field. Nobody's in the ballpark, just me. And, and I'm taking my shirt off. It may be day or whatever. And there it is, me going first to third, me running first and make it, and me going second to home. Just putting the game in play. You have to learn how to put the game in play. When you get when you get old enough, when the kids get old enough, these are the things that they need to learn how to do. You know, you gotta you gotta trust who you are, and by you trusting who you are is when you go back and back. So that's when you figure out who you are. No, I, I love that. And it's, it's actually the perfect transition because who you are in your life has shifted pretty dramatically um, over the years. How, how does somebody go from um, being drafted and playing in the majors to being an evangelist, speaking on stages to men's weekend about who God is? To, how would you encapsulate that transition? I, 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 would, I would have to say um, having a praying mother. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and, and that's so important in our lives you know i think a lot of us don't understand that and a lot of us come from you know such good situations and a lot mm. of us come from broken situations and i think a lot of times most of the people that come from broken situations they miss the important part of their life who was in the household okay i wasn't raised by my father i was raised by my mother who was my mother my mother was a christian she left a legacy she didn't preach to us she lived jesus and we saw that yes i was a heathen i was a completely broken separate uh, person but you know come to find out that she was praying for me the whole time you know yeah. when she passed when she passed away there it is a journal under her bed and writing in it to god save all my kids you know praying for us night after night and and i think a lot of times people don't understand prayer from the righteous come to pass, mm. you know, that God, that God ends up hearing my mother and God ends up keeping his hand on me, keeping his grace that I didn't deserve over me. And that what brings me to a place of who I am today, you know, because of my mother prayers and because of the faithfulness of God sending other people in my life. You see, God sent my wife in my life and my mother in my life to straighten me out. Yeah. My, I wouldn't listen to my mother, but all I had to do was listen to her and stay away from the girl, stay away from the nightlife and, and live right. And, but I, I didn't want to do that. You know, I wanted to do it my way. So guess what? There's, and, and there's like my wife says, you know, she always says, well, you can pick your sins, but you can't pick your consequences. Come on. So she just, that's it. So she gave me some real reality of, you can pick all the sins you want in life, but 
you got to remember there's consequences behind your action. And, and that was part of uh, my life of, of becoming uh, transformed and better because my mother prayers stuck with me and came to pass. But my wife came in my life and she was just like my mother. And I goes, God, you send you know, you you knew that I love women. I chased them and I love them like crazy. So you sent two in my life that would straighten me out and change the course of my life forever, Tony. I mean, it would change the course of my life and it would make me see God like I never could ever imagine. All right, all right. Number four on the top five episodes of 2021 is none other than my dear friend, Rob Ulmer. Now, when I saw Rob's name on the list, and this is no offense to Rob, but I thought to myself, I don't have any idea on how podcasts really work. I just don't. Because Rob has no real social media platform. He doesn't have a huge following on the internet. Rob is just anointed with the Holy Spirit. And maybe that's the deal. Right When you hear Rob talk about scripture in our conversation, like it'll make your heart beat out of your chest. He loves the Lord. And you can hear that in our dialogue. We talk about his favorite book of the Bible, which happens to be Leviticus. We talk about transition. We talk about what it means to hear from God. Now, I have the very uh, distinct pleasure of being in a deep relationship with Rob. We do something called Pies and Bros, me, him, and one other pastor, where we get together. And so I get to listen to Rob talk about scripture all the time. I love his heart for it. And, and I think that that heart really comes from intimacy and the, the amount of time he spends with God. And so one of the things that I think make this episode so popular is that you can't Listen to this episode and not hear Rob's heart for the Lord. You can't not hear Rob's heart for the love of Scripture. It's just so evident. It's so real. And I think he does such a great job of walking us through us. Now, stay tuned to Rob. If you don't follow him on social media, look him up on Facebook or on our Spirit and Truth Living the Faith Facebook group because Rob is... Uh, working towards a podcast. And I may have to help him produce it, but I know that if this man can put out a podcast, it'll be rock-solid gold every single day. Every single day. One of the things that I hear is I hear you tell the story and I hear you talk about your relationship with God is uh, this sense of familiarity. Yeah. Right? And, and it's clear that you've been walking with the Lord for a while. I, I imagine that there's someone listening right now who is like, I pray every day and I never hear from God. Mm, or mm, I, I mm. read the Bible once a week and I never sure. hear from God. Yeah. Let me ask you this. There's somebody who's listening right now who's, who's unfinished in their internal life and internal relationship with God. Yeah. What, how, how do they get to familiar? How do they get to that place where they're like, oh, that's the Lord. That's not just the burrito I ate the other day. How, <laughs> you know, like, how do you know, how do you get to familiar with Jesus? Yes. Yes. So um, I don't have a, like a perfect 100% answer for that, but I can tell you just what uh, I've learned. I, so because as a pastor, I feel like you fumble through this with people all the time. This is yeah. one of the big questions, right? Well, it's, I mean, it's a part of disciple making, so, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So I think what I've been learning is over the years, uh, one, 
it's like guess and check and failure and mess up and learning what the voice is. Just swing and, just, you know, just, yeah. 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 So, uh, and it's not an always like, I, I've heard all, an audible voice once or twice and, and a few times I'm not sure if it was the Lord, <laughs> if I'm honest, you know, but I, I have had, and then there are moments where it's like, it, it's in your chest kind of like yeah. there's like a sense. And then there are moments where, um, there's a great book, uh, Oh shoot! What's the guy's name? It's called Whisper. Oh, it's really good. Mark Batterson. Yes. Um, and just I thought it was really insightful. Um, and he kind of covers the different ways that God talks, but the part of it is okay. You're in the Word. You're reading Scripture. You're learning from the Spirit as you read Scripture. Mm. You expect the Spirit to teach you as you read Scripture. Right, the Bible is not good by itself. By itself, it's just a book that people use as a weapon or whatever. It must be paired with the Spirit. The Spirit, the Spirit, because because the Bible is not God, right? Right. God is alive. He's present, but He uses this Word in your life, yeah, and He uses it empowered by the Spirit. And you need the Spirit, right? You need to be born again, um, born from above. If you're not, then you will try to use the Word to your own ends, and so. Sit with that word, let the Holy Spirit teach you, and kind of just learn his voice. I don't know any other way to say it. It's just like, Tony, it's like, um, you know, it took me a little bit to realize when I pick up the phone that it's my wife on the other line. When we first started get, you know, getting together. Sure. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and she would call, and she would do this thing where she'd be like, hey. And I'd be like, Hey, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know, you know, I, I, I didn't want her to know that I didn't know if it was her. Cause at this point, like the cell phones didn't say people's names or whatever. Sure, and yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't have a cell phone. You were in the hall. You were on the hallway phone. The yeah, that's hallway right. phone. yeah. 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 So, um, but eventually I got it, you know what I mean? And I, and I, and I not just the timbre of her voice, but I got like the way she said hello. Mm. And, and I got also the expectations that were there as well, you know, which were great. And, and now, of course, I know her voice from a million miles away, but it's kind of like that in some ways, if that's a metaphor you can use. Yeah. Like, you just learn over time, and then, um, and then you learn what, God's gonna, what God says. So here's something that really blew my mind, okay? And I forget the book I read this in, but um, a couple things. First of all, God will convict, but he will not condemn. Yeah. Right? On. So there's no more condemnation in Jesus Christ, Romans 8, right? So, um, but he will convict. Now, here's, here's the other thing. If you feel guilty about something or if you feel bad or ashamed about something, con- here's what conviction is. It is intentional and specific, yeah. right? So you'll know exactly what it is. I, 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 this happens to me all the time. I feel guilty or ashamed, but it's vague. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And it's like, oh, I just feel guilty. I don't know why. I just feel it. That's not from God. Because conviction is about growth toward him. He wants you to grow. He wants you to be with him, right? He wants you, bottom line, Mm. you know? So if he's going to convict you of something, it's for discipline. And why does he discipline people, right? Hebrews tells us is because he loves you, right? Right. (laughs) So so he's going to convict you. He's going to be specific about it so that that can be worked on and fixed. If it's vague and you're you're just walking around with a cloud of shame, a cloud of guilt, you have no reason why, but you're like, oh, God must hate me. God, no, that's not God. So, so those are some very concrete things. I think. Also, everything's going to lead to the Lord. Everything. So, if the Lord is talking to you and He's like, you know what? You're so great. You're so good. Mm -hmm. You know what you should do? 
you should do whatever you want. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? You should you should eat that Snickers bar. You should you know what you should do. You should you should engage that woman on uh, Facebook. Go yeah. right ahead. Oh, you yeah. Because know? you know, what's the deal? You know, whatever it is, all these little that's not the Lord. And we always think it's going to be obvious, don't we? Yeah. We always think, I will know evil, it will be Hitler. Well, a lot of people didn't know Hitler was evil, right? Right. Right away. A lot of people, I mean, so we have got to be just smarter and more on guard in some ways. Um, so, I, for instance, this thing I heard in the garage, I knew it was the Lord for, for different reasons, for a couple different reasons. One is, what he was saying is, he's basically saying, you need me. Mm. Me, Jesus in the flesh, right? Um, the Lord of all creation, you need me. And he wasn't saying, get it together so that I can come. He was saying, I love you right now. I'm coming right now. He was also, he also wasn't saying, um, I'm going to fix all this for you. He was saying, I'm going to come be with you and you're going to be with me because that's the main goal of all, all the Bible, right? Fellowship. Yeah. That's the bottom line. That's what salvation is. It's union, right? With the Lord. It's, it's continual Sabbath. Yeah. So, um, and there are many other reasons. I mean, many other things. So, uh, if you if you want to get to the sensory piece, the feeling piece, um, you just learn that over time. You know, um, and I know there are people listening who. Uh, here's the thing I've also learned about God. I'm talking a lot, but you asked, so this and is here's the this thing. is why you're the guest and I, I'm the host. Yeah, well, I want you to talk, <laughs> and, I, and I'm a preacher that hasn't really had a pulpit for a while. So. <laughs> So, <laughs> so here you go, man. Um, this but, is good. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, good. I'm glad. <laughs> so, the the other thing um, about this is that we always want to nail down concrete ways. Yeah, like A plus B equals C. Yeah, but it's a relationship, and it's about growth. And so, I promise you, as soon as you get a concrete thing here that you want to put across the entire relationship, it's going to shift. I mean. Some of the things like what I told you about the, the conviction and condemning, that's concrete. That's, that's always going to be there, I believe. But it's going to look like different things throughout your relationship. Um, I don't know. You, you stay in the word. You stay in community. Yeah. Right? You, brothers and sisters. So when I have little words like this, um, I'll share it with my wife. And she'll be like, yeah, yeah, that's Jesus. You, know, you just know it's Jesus. And, sure. and I will add something else. You have peace. Mm. Went over, and it's real peace. When uh, when we were praying about this transition, you know, we prayed until we had, uh, until we felt like, okay, there's there's that real peace about this. That's only God can give that. Um, I think sometimes we're, we're like, I don't know, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And you got to ask, well, do you have any peace about this at all? And um, well, well, you know, no. And it's like, okay, well then. Maybe down the line, but if you don't have it right now, then you've got to ask why that is. Yeah. You know, maybe it's because God is speaking to you, but you don't want to hear what he has to say. I mean, I've been there a bunch of times. Amen. Yeah. All right, friends, let's jump into number three on the list, the legendary Kurt Thompson. Kurt was on episode number 96 of the podcast, and Kurt was introduced to me by some very dear friends. The Eclipses, Matt and Emma experienced him with Rebecca Lyons at one of their weekends, and Kurt had a brand new book out all about what it means to be known. Now, he got his MD here in Ohio, so we began our conversation talking about that. But trust me when I say that you'll want to go back and read this, listen to this conversation with a pen and paper so you can read your notes later. 
See, I think one of the things that makes this conversation and really all of Kurt's work so important is that so many of us struggle with identity. Who are we? Who do we belong to? What does that mean? What does it mean to have your identity in Christ? And yet, in our dialogue, he talks about how our identity weaves into God's big story. And I love his heart. I love his spirit. I think he offers us so much about the importance of community, identity, and loving people that are hard to love. Make sure you go back and check out episode number 96, the third most listened to podcast of 2021, Kurt Thompson. So if you, if you were sitting down with someone who's like, man, I'm ready for that. I'm ready for, for God to have access to me than I've ever had before. What would you say are like the, the, the first step in that process? Somebody who's listening is like, yes, I want God to have access to my whole heart and I'm ready to deal with some of these rooms where shame exists or canyons that I've never explored. I'm ready to go deep into them. What's the first baby step? Right. So I, you know, it's, uh, Tony, I would, I would say two things first. The first thing I would say is, uh, I think it's helpful for us to, to, to remember as, uh, Paul Borgman, a professor of literature at Gordon college, or at least he was when he wrote the book called Genesis, the story we haven't heard. And in it, he tells, he, he teaches, he, and, and he would, he, he taught the course on Genesis as a literature course, not, yeah as a biblical course. And in this book that was a compilation of the course that he taught, he writes of how God is a God who is serious about partnerships. Mm. God wants to partner with human beings. Adam and Eve. Yeah, I love that. Noah, Abraham, Israel, Moses, Israel, Jesus. I do that which I'm, my father is working, I'm also working. We're partnering. We're doing this together. And Borgman points out, he asks this question, and I thought, like, wow, I'm like, this is just amazing. He said, who knows how many other people God tried to get to go with him to Palestine before Abraham finally said yes? Mm. We don't know because there's no story. But who knows? And then you go forward to Jesus and yes, we have the stories of him asking Peter and James and John, and they also, you know, they all say yes, yes, yes. But who knows how many other people he asked who said no? We know there were those who said, nope, I got to go bury my dad. Nope, I just bought a piece of land, right. et cetera, et cetera. We know that there were people who said no. The rich young ruler, who in Mark's gospel, we read, and Jesus looked at him and loved him. Hmm. He looked at him and loved him. And somehow, he missed the look of love. Yeah. He missed it. Like, how do you miss that? Uh, my well, wife would like, tell you that I miss it often. I don't think it would have been that tough for him to have missed it. <laughs> She's like, oh, you even paid attention. <laughs> right. And so what I would say is this. The God is looking for partners. He's looking for people to join with him. And I think that God knows that it's hard to convince people to partner in this kind of work. That's the first thing to know because God has asked people, Jesus asked people like, and like if Jesus can't get people to do it, yeah, we got no okay. shot. 
like, yeah. <laughs> or we at least have to double up on the number of ass. <laughs> that is exactly my point. So the first thing I would say is we start to ask. We start to ask people. And I so to your listeners, I would say, uh, start with like this. Who's Who are the two people? If you can't think of two, think of one. Who are the two people that you would be willing to begin to ask the question? Would you be willing for us to begin to meet on a regular basis so that we in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit can begin to tell each other our stories yeah, so that God can transform them. Whether that's reading through scripture, whether that's reading a book, whether whatever that is, can we, we're not just going to gather and talk about the first chapter of the book of James. We're actually going to talk about our lives and we're going to talk about what's beautiful about it and what I long and what my griefs are and my, you know, and my professional sinning and all those kinds of things that we do. The, we There's going to be no part of my puzzle that's not on the table. And you may find that there will be people who will think that you have, you know, two heads. They'll be like, there's just, there's no universe in which I would do that. And then you will find, eventually you will find somebody who's like, man, I've been looking, I've been praying about this. And this is the other thing I would say, like, pray, 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 right? We read in the gospel of Jesus, praying, 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 before he then decides to pursue his disciples, who they're going to be. So we pray. And so we ask and we begin that process. And when you have one or two people that are doing that with you, with your, you know, your, you know, it's like your small Trinity. If you, if you have that, add another person, add another person so that you have an outpost of beauty and goodness that is taking root so that we may do what in John 12, when Jesus says, and they will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. That's one thing I would say, you know, there are some, I mean, you know, if, if you want a, a way to start, like you could start by like, I mean, there are many pieces there. There are a number of books that are out there that I think that would be helpful in evoking and inviting us to be curious about and exploratory of our story. You know, the soul of shame, the one that I've written is, is one, uh, uh, David Benner, uh, the gift of being yourself. It's mm-hmm. another powerful book. It's, a, it's, it's, you know, it's not a long, but really, really helpful pieces. Um, you know, a, a number of the things that Eugene Peterson has written. There there are ways to do this. Dan Allender, To Be Told, that's another book that I think is just really a wonderful piece. And the last thing I would say, though, Tony, to all this is, you know, we're just remembering Jesus' words again, that no king thinks about going to war without thinking about what the cost is going to be. Yeah. Those are Jesus' words. And Jesus had plenty of people who were willing to say, like, I am all over this. I'm ready to go. And then to those same people, he, in Matthew's gospel in particular, time after time after time, he began to tell them that they would go to Jerusalem and that he would be crucified, that he would be put to death by the good guys. And it's like, it's just going right by him. And I want, except for that one time where Peter says, like, oh, no, 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 not on my watch. <laughs> right. And, you know, so I, I you know, one thing in, in medicine, we, we, we make sure that if we're going to prescribe a medication to someone, we make sure that they know about what the potential side effects are. No healing, no healing ever happens without side effects. And so it's important for folks to know that uh, this is not going to be easy 
and there will be side effects. And there, we, we would say that spiritual formation, becoming like Christ, is in and of itself a disruptive technology to the way of evil in the world. Hmm. And you will face resistance. You'll face it from within your own story. You'll face it from the world outside of you. And at the same time, just bearing in mind that the story of the sower is one in which 75% of the seed goes nowhere. Right. And this is to be an encouragement. Like if Jesus himself is saying, this is the way the world is. And he's saying, but I want you to get on board. Those are good enough numbers for me. Okay, friends, here we are. Episode number 102 comes in in the number two spot. I kind of feel like Casey Kasem. And the top 40. No, the number two spot for 2021, Kristen LaValle. Now, Kristen is somebody who I follow on Instagram, and that's how I got to know her work. And she specializes in critically thinking Christians. Now, in our conversation, and what I heard the most feedback by far when it came to my episode with Kristen, which is episode number 102, is the discussion around church hurt. Man, I just didn't realize how many people, how many people that we know are dealing with church hurt. So much dialogue there. We talk about what it means to be a critically thinking Christian, how important it is, what does it look like, and what traveling around in an RV with her family um, really taught her over the last year. She's got a big heart, but she has an enormous um, propensity to think through things both emotionally sensitively and yet logically. And I, I love that. I love the way that she kind of talks about um, her overlap between what she does on Instagram and what she does in real life and how she uses both of them to kind of do her healing. She also talks about the importance of community in our conversation, scripture, all those kind of things, and I absolutely love it. Now, recently in her life, if you follow her on Instagram, and if you don't, you should go right now and do that. Um, she's sharing with us her journey of raising twins. It's been really powerful. And I'm also really thankful I am not of that season of life anymore. <laughs> so, hey, do me a favor. Check out episode number 96. Uh, I'm sorry, episode number 102 with Kristen LaValle as she explores what it means to be a critically thinking Christian. So what's interesting is um, I, I really appreciate this process. And I, I would imagine it, it's when I hear you say it so plainly, it's this, it's just like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. It's super easy. Right. But the truth is it's, I bet it's not been that easy. What, what's it like being kind of a voice of, uh, or, or trying to be a voice for people in the midst of all this? I, I bet your DMS get real ugly, real fast. I don't know how oh, to say yeah. that. Oh yeah. People, people want you to reflect their, um, their ideas and their opinions and people follow you on social media. If you're, if they're a stranger, they follow you because they see something in you that they relate to. And then when you say something that they can't relate to, they feel kind of betrayed by it. And, uh, they take it personally, like, but, but you should be thinking like this. Um, and so I get a lot of DMS where people are just, tearing me up or, or they'll like repost things that I've said and, and have like 10 points as to why I'm wrong and why I'm not really a Christian. And you just have to not care <laughs> and just know that your identity is not in other people's perceptions of you because 
they don't know you, whatever, but you just got to stay true to what God calls you to do. And when you, when you take the time to process and you're not acting impulsively, then you can have a little bit more confidence in what you're saying and doing, because, you know, like I, I checked all the boxes. I am confident in what I said. If you don't agree, that's okay. But this is where I stand and I stand by it. Yeah. How do you get to a place where you don't care as you know, like, I think that there are a lot of people who are so nervous to make a statement one way or another. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think if you preach long enough or pastor long enough, you're going to offend somebody. I, I mean, hopefully yeah. I think probably. Um, and so I, I you know, how, how do you do it? I I'm really curious because it seems like it's uh, Instagram feels so visceral to me sometimes, not as bad as yeah. Facebook, but no, <laughs> not as Facebook's as a train wreck. I just, yeah, it's all anyway. I don't even get on Facebook anymore. <laughs> I stick to the gram. But I think it's just practice and just um, being hurt a lot and caring a lot. I don't think it's wrong to care. I don't think that's like a character flaw that if you care what yeah. people think about you, even though people will say you should never care. Obviously, we're going to care. And there's some personality types that care more than others. But I think it's just time and practice and maturity and really knowing yourself and knowing what your process needs to be. So when you do speak, if you choose to, again, I don't think everybody needs to speak on everything publicly. Um, but if you do decide to speak on something, know yourself and know what you need to do to be as confident as possible when you do speak and just expect people, somebody to say something and to be mad, because if nobody ever gets mad at what you're saying, then you're not really saying anything at all. Somebody's got to get mad at some point or you're just you know, then it's just all fluff, which again is okay. But if if you want to say something and you want to voice your opinion, be confident in it and don't just throw your opinion out about everything. And a little humility goes a long way. And if people know that you're willing to be wrong and that you will admit that you're wrong and that you are um, graciously offering your thoughts to the world, that will kind of trim down the horrible, why don't you just kill yourself DMs that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you might get oh my that. gosh are those out there <laughs> oh yeah oh that sounds so bu- <gasps> um <sighs> a random question how does your husband deal with that for you like i i as a I, my natural instinct is to want to kind of like protect my wife and and even though she ne- does not need my protection just so we're all clear right yeah. like but like my, my heart would like it's one thing if you're going to attack me. It's another thing if you're going to attack my family. Like, that's got to be super yeah. hard. How do, how do you guys deal with that as a couple? It's not so difficult now because they don't, the, those kind of things don't bother me as much now. Um, but he's, he's very protective of my emotional health and my energy. And so when he sees me getting drained, he'll just take my phone and be like, we're just going to delete the app. For a few days, <laughs> but there was, there was a point where he would, um, screen my DMS for me and he would just delete Uh-oh. stuff that wasn't good for me. Like it was nothing productive for me to read. And I trusted him with that, but now, now it's not so bad, but he, uh, he feels that like he's an Enneagram nine. So he's very empathetic and he cannot stand for peace to be disrupted in any way. And if I'm not at peace, he is not at peace. So he's very protective and super helpful with my emotional levels. Can I ask what you are on the Enneagram? Oh, I'm a five. Are you? Yeah. Okay. I'm an eight and my wife is a nine. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. That's a good yeah. combo. Yeah. We're, uh, we didn't know it at the time we were, we got married as high school sweethearts. So we didn't like, we didn't, I mean, we just didn't know. We didn't yeah. know anything. <laughs> Us either. We had no idea. <laughs>
Um, as, as you, as you guys look at, at discipling your family and the organic church movement, what are some of the things that you guys do as a family to help nurture that faith dialogue? And how are you raising critical thinkers? I'm really curious about this. Um, well, for church, we view our family as our first church. So we, we are church at home and our kids are very familiar with, um, what church is not necessarily, um, we don't talk about church in terms of going to church or services or programs, even though they're a part of all those things in a normal year and in a non-pandemic year, um, they are part of like Bible clubs. They love traditional church. They love going to service. They love the whole process to it. But our biggest thing with our family is that we are the church to each other at home and we Mm. practice the tenets of church. Like we pray together, we do communion together. Um, we, talk to each other, we encourage each other, we exhort each other, all of those things that are elements in the church body, we teach that at home. Um, not in any like, here are the things that you need to memorize, but just as kind of like an organic, natural thing. Um, we have a few. Yeah, you model it. You model. Yeah. Yeah. And we have a few different practices that we do to make sure that we are being a joy fueled family, which is one of our biggest things that we want to be centered on joy. So we do um, what we call appreciation stories, um, mm. which I think I think it's a thing. I don't know. My husband, he brought it into our family. So we just do it. But it's basically you just at the end of the day or beginning of the day, whenever it works for your family, you talk about something that happened, a memory. It could be something that happened that day or something that happened a while ago. But it's a memory that makes you feel good, that you appreciate it. And you tell the story. And as you're telling the story, you talk about how it made your body feel. And as you talk about how it made your body feel, it kind of makes you remember how, how that felt. And so it brings you back to joy, remembering the moment, but then also remembering how your body felt like my shoulders felt really relaxed. And then all of a sudden you realize, Oh yeah, my shoulders are relaxed right now as I'm telling this story. So it's just a good way to like center us around joy, which we think is a big part of Christian community and should be the core core um, value of Christian community. Um, And then as far as raising critical thinkers, we just, fight the need to tell them what to think and mm-hmm. and ask them. We ask a lot of questions, not necessarily like, let's sit down and let's learn how to think. But if they ask us a question about faith or a question about what's going on in the world, we'll say, well, what do you think? And um, we started regretting that a little bit this year because we have three kids and they all have different political opinions. They all know who they were voting for. We've got a Trump voter, a Biden voter, and a, why don't you guys just vote for God? I can't believe you're not voting for God. So a little bit of a, <laughs> a guilt tripper voter. <laughs> and we're like, okay, let's just like not talk about politics in front of people. <laughs> but, but when they come up with their opinions, like my, my son, when he was like, I don't think anybody should vote for Trump. We're like, okay. Why do you think that? What do you think about his policies? What do you think a president should do? And we just try to encourage them to think through their thoughts and shape them for themselves rather than saying, you know, don't say that. And the same thing goes with faith. When they bring questions of faith to us, we'll say, well, what do you think? And why do you think that? And where did you get that idea? And of course, we guide them and we lead them as well. But we start with let's figure out where where that's coming from and why you're thinking that. And then we're going to guide you into right thinking uh because i don't think you should just be like oh whatever you want to think honey just like go live your life i think it's our job as parents to guide our children especially when it comes to the faith but if you don't let them think for themselves then their faith is never going to be their own so we try to give a little room there and 
in in their sense of community, how how do you build community for them? It's probably less important. I'm I'm kind of thinking out loud here, but you know, I was thinking about my kids, and they're pretty flexible as far as they make friends everywhere they go. Is that kind of just how you guys roll? Yeah, yeah. They have everywhere everywhere we park, they find friends. They ask for their phone numbers or their Roblox. Roblox, I don't know, whatever that game is that kids are playing these days. They get their screen names. They use, um, there's an app on Facebook called Messenger Kids where you can oh, yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. yeah. My middle son does it. Yeah. yeah. So we let them do that and they keep up with their friends. They talk to them. They call them. They're, it's like not even a thing. Not, yeah. How old are your kids? Uh, 10, 7, and 5. And how are they feeling about the twins? Oh, they're so excited. Are they? Yeah. They get to do all the fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, how, how is the um, how how is the thought process about becoming planted again, and and not so because you've been pretty open about a lot of that yeah. stuff. You guys are moving back east, right? And mm-hmm. um, and how how's everybody feeling about that? And and then will you guys find a church home there? We're we're feeling really excited because there's we we really don't have a choice so when we don't have a choice we're like man god's gonna do something great in this because we're so great (laughs) (laughs) so we're we're excited and open-handed because you know god could say just get back on the road you can do this with two infants no big deal so we'll we'll see but we're excited to see what god's gonna do we're excited to get back to our people we've been able to um stay really close with the people that are back home with our community so everyone's really excited for us to to come back and yeah and we and we do have a church that we would consider our home church it's a, a church that our friends planted but in new england churches aren't really open so right. it's just kind of like zoom churches and things like that but yeah all right ladies and gentlemen we made it we made it to the very top of the list the number one most downloaded episode of 2021 is episode number 86, which actually, interestingly enough, was downloaded the most in 2021, but it was recorded almost a year ago, December 21st of 2020. Erwin Lutzer of the retired Moody Church pastor, Pastor Emeritus, and his conversation about his resource, We Will Not Be Silenced. Erwin and I get into some really heavy stuff. We talk about nationality and Christianity. We talk about our Judeo-Christian heritage. And we dive really deep into what it means to engage as a Christian on the hot topics of the day. I think I mean, I think Erwin does something that's really special. He offers us kind of that elder statesman voice. You know, he gives us something that we can hold on to that's really based in scripture and experience. He also talks about technology and how technology is playing a role in disciple making around the next generation. He shares with some story about his uh, grandkids and, you know, all of these things come together to form a really interesting and pointed interview. I'll be honest, when I recorded the interview with Erwin, I was a little nervous that we might get some pushback. And yet here we are. He's the number one most downloaded episode of 2021, and it's not even close. He's many, many episodes away from Kristen Lavalley at number two. It just goes to show you that people 
are willing to dive into the tough conversations or rather listen to the tough conversations if they're presented in a way of grace and love. And I think Erwin does a really good job of that for sure. As we head into the next season, right? And anytime there's change in political power, what is the church's, um, what are some things that, that Christians can do to usher in unity in the nation that we live in? Because I, I feel like um, the culture is divisive and I feel like the, the political landscape is divisive and even the evangelical and um, more progressive churches. Like I feel like the, the, it feels like the divide is getting bigger and bigger every day. And it, when, when I look at a lot of my friends who are pastors and we're, you know, we believe different things. It feels like we're getting further and further apart, which just feels so um, in opposition to what God's called us to. How, how does the individual who's listening to this podcast on their treadmill or on their, you know, on their walk, or maybe they're raking leaves or whatever, how do they, how do they fight for unity in the church and in their community? Once again, I think it comes down to the individual. You meet with these pastors, you discuss your differences they have their point of view, you have, the, have theirs, uh, you have your own point of view, but you agree now to exalt Christ. I had a friend who worked in Jerusalem and tried to get Messianic Jews and Christian Arabs in the same room. But he said when they were in the same room, the agreement was they would not discuss their differences. They would simply worship Jesus together. And the reason is because if you get into the issue of who owns the land and, uh, you know, whether or not the Israelis are treating the Palestinians fairly and so forth, you're in a no-win argument. These are arguments in which facts really don't matter that much on either side. Mm. So there are times, I think, where we simply have to avoid those differences, and say, look, let's worship Jesus together and um, and put up with each other. Do you find that most Christians are just a- avoiding the conversation altogether? I, I, how, can we, uh, how can we encourage Christians to go into these difficult spaces? Well, one of the things we could do, Tony, is have them read my new book, <laughs> I, I would I, actually, I would suggest not reading it by yourself. That would be my suggestion as I've now um, skimmed through or read most of the book. I will tell you that the, that this is some heavy lifting that this isn't um, this isn't a coffee table book, right? This is a, this is a, I've got, man, I really got to think when you dive into the, the sexualization of the children and, and critical race theory and like some of these topics are big topics. Um, I, I think I stole your answer, but like the idea is that that diving into that, besides diving into the book in groups, what are some ways that we can be courageous in the dialogue? You know, I just want to say that the subtitle of the book, it's entitled, We Will Not Be Silenced, Responding Courageously to Our Culture's Assault on Christianity. Remember, the reason I wrote it is because People are being, Christians are being shamed into silence. Mm. When our students, Christian students, go to university, they are probably not talked out of their faith. They are mocked out of their faith. Wow. And so what we need to do is to speak 
And here's something that we need to learn as a church. We take the heat. I have a friend who's involved in politics. By the way, as of this podcast, he still does not know whether or not he has won the election, though he thinks he will, because these ballots are being counted for weeks. But uh, he's pro-life. He's a deeply committed Christian and lives up to his principles in Springfield, Illinois. He's in the uh, state capital. And you should just see how he is vilified. Not bad. And the mockery and the perversion of who he really is. I mean, it is just awful. And I spoke to him two days ago, and he said, yes, it hurts. But what else is he going to do? He has to endure it. His kids have to endure it at school. They get mocked because of their father. But that's the kind of heat we have to be willing to take. And we in America think that this idea that we can be Christians and live out our Christian life without any pushback, that's an American idea. It's not been true of the church all throughout church history. So uh, I'm I'm kind of curious. I'd be I'm, I'm going to make it a little personal for me. Um, I pastor a United Methodist Church here in Ohio, and our denomination is really struggling with cultural issues and how to do that. And they're looking at possibly sp- splitting in the next year or two. Um, w- when you see denominations going through what our denomination is going through. What are some of the thoughts and and what are some of the things that you think that those leaders need to hear? Well, first of all, I think that sometimes splits are necessary. Hmm. In fact, even the Apostle Paul talks about the fact that there are divisions that have to take place. So there are fault lines in your denomination that are very important. So what you need to do is to be willing to split and take the consequences I remember talking to a denomination that was uh, on the verge of splitting, and I spoke to a pastor, and I said, what side are you going to go with? And he said, it depends on the one that holds the um, the retirement fund. <laughs> the good news, the Methodists figured that out first. We, well, can't figure out, we can't figure out what we believe, but we can figure out that the pension needs to be funded. <laughs> All right. So I, I would think that there should be a coalition— of pastors who still believe in the truth, the word of God, and who are willing to take the heat and to, you know, be nice about it. But you can't you can't be part of a denomination that is submitted to the culture, especially when there is pressure on you to submit to the culture. Mm. Now, I don't know you, Tony. We've never met before except sure. today. But what you need to do is to stand for truth and take the consequences. And denominations oftentimes are the are the thing. Did you know that the Anglican Church in Canada, Tony, and I say this in my book, did a study in which they proved that they will not be in existence in 20 years. Wow. Here's what happened. They so submitted to the culture that they had nothing to say to the culture. Mm. And if your denomination so submits to the culture, it has nothing to say to the culture. So it's going to be swallowed up by the culture, and 
you know, very little will be lost. So, you know, this is a time for you and some other people to say, uh, to use the words of a new book, we will not be silenced. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So let's talk about um, a year from now, right? A year from now, what is your prayer? What is your hope um, that this book will do in in the culture? You know, Tony, I don't know that any book, certainly mine, is not going to sway a whole evangelical movement. But I'm deeply, I deeply believe that my book is going to have an impact on individual lives. Mm. I think it's going to impact families. I think it's going to impact some pastors who are willing to stand against social justice theories, which are Marxist. Uh, You know, as I say in the book, I define biblical social justice and then the kind that is being taught today. One of the reasons I wrote it is so that parents would know why it is that when they send their kids to university, they come back hating America. So how do we speak to this? So I think it's going to have a great impact more individually than it is nationally. But uh, I also hope it's going to give parents the courage to stand up for what they believe and to take the consequences and to realize that historically Christians have always had to do that. Well, guys, that's the top five. Let me give them to you one more time. Number one, episode 86, Erwin Lutzer. We will not be silenced. Number two, episode number 102, Kristen LaValle, Critically Thinking Christians. Coming in at number three, episode 96, Kurt Thompson, Being Known. Coming in in spot number four, episode 117, Rob Omer, Transition Scripture and Hearing from God. And rounding out the top five, one of my favorite baseball players of all time. Episode number 89, the legendary Daryl Strawberry. Guys, it's such a joy to share this fun, quick little episode with you. I'm thankful for all your hard work and supporting the podcast. Hey, if you could do me a favor, hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a rating or review on iTunes or now on Spotify. What, what? Need those Spotify recommendations. And hey, if you can, share this episode with a friend next week. We're kicking off the new year with a bang. One of my most sought-after guests of all time. As a matter of fact, if I was going to make a guest list, he's in the top three for sure. The legendary pastor, preacher, teacher, leadership expert, Carrie Newhoff. Kicks us off talking about productivity, living your best life, and we talk about his resource. This was a fun conversation for me. I was honored to have it. So the only way to make sure you don't miss that episode and some of the bonus episodes we have coming up for 2022 is to hit that subscribe button where it's absolutely free. We will never charge for the podcast. So excited to be on this journey with you and walk with you. And I'm so thankful to complete another year of podcasting with each and every one of you. Uh, I love my reclamation community. Speaking of community, if you haven't done it yet, I want to invite you to be a part of the Spirit and Truth Living the Faith Facebook group. That's right. We got a Facebook group on there. Right now, there's about 500 people or so in the group, and we're just getting to know each other and sharing what it means to walk with Jesus. Because more than anything, this podcast exists 
to help you reclaim good practices for faith and life. And one of the ways we do that is intentional community. So if you need to find us, go to Spirit and Truth on the Facebook page and then find the group or friend request me on Facebook, Tony Miltenberger, shoot me a DM, let me know you want in the group. I got you covered. I got you covered. We want to walk with you in your journey of faith and we're thankful that we can do it on this platform, on Facebook, and at our Spirit and Truth Conference coming up in March. Remember guys, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.